0: Hey guys, this is Air McManus, and I am coming to you straight from babysitting duty. I'm watching my niece, Juno Boogie Gus, while she is taking a nap. And you know what? Shout out to all the moms and the dads on here who take care of kids and keep them alive because goodness gracious, I am so nervous. Um, but we had a little lunch together, put her down for her nap, and now I'm working. But uh, anyways, here it is. So I wanted to introduce the next podcast that we are releasing today because it's a special one. It's from Mosaic Conference that we did a few weeks back, and we did a live podcast, which we hadn't done a live podcast since the beginning of this podcast. We talk a little bit about it. We get into a lot of different things in the pod. I kind of blacked out, so I'm not entirely sure what we said, but I think it's a really good one, and I think it's one that you guys will really enjoy. Um, So go check it out. Um, But before you do, I wanna let you guys know about what we're working on and why we're releasing a pre-recorded podcast. Um, Basically, we are releasing the seven frequencies of communication, which is our new Art of Communication Masterclass module, which is really exciting. It's four hours on how to communicate using the frequencies that are already inside of you, frequencies that you naturally use and the frequencies that you naturally are attuned to. Um, It's a really interesting Uh, breakdown that my dad created. And I'm really excited that I got to be a part of it. So if you are at all interested in bettering your communication skills, um, if you're on a sales team, if you're on a pastoral team, if you're on a speaking team, maybe you're just working anywhere at any job, and you just want to become a better communicator, I think this course will genuinely impact you. So go check it out. Theartofcommunication.org and check out the seven frequencies now. We're also like doing crazy discounts through the weekend. So if you haven't, you haven't, you haven't checked it out, go check it out now. All right, see you guys after the podcast. You were listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> And, you're, and I'm here with my beautiful father, Erwin Raphael McManus. Good to be here with you. It's good to be here. Can we shout out the conference team real quick? Come on, Mosaic Conference. Uh, one, Tess Royds has done an amazing job. Tess Roy and yes. team. Austin yeah, St. John. Uh, this amazing merch. This is my Academy Awards speech. Uh, amazing merch by... Uh, I can never say loose last name. Grigio? Yeah. Grigio? Grigio. Grigio. By the way, you're Greg- listening Greg- to the voice Greg- of Greg- no, no, Odo Figueroa? Luke and Ethan. That's just what I call them. It's <laughs> like the Daniels, it's just Luke and Ethan. So, so shout out to Luke and Ethan, the amazing team. And I'm just so excited to be here.
1: And I got my hat before it sold out, because it sold out last night. yeah Sad. It did. I know. Should we give that one away? No. Yes. No, no. <laughs>
0: I did give it away. I gave it to okay. me. Okay, <laughs> so we've been, you know, we've, we've been doing this podcast for about five years now, even That's though long. it doesn't really feel like it, because during COVID was really when we started doing the podcast yeah. more seriously.
1: Yeah, and for everyone who is new to our podcast, we started yeah. the podcast because when I had cancer, um, and we didn't really know how that was going to play out, you came up to me after I had surgery, and you said, Dad, if you had passed away, there were so many questions that I would have never had a chance to ask you. Mm-hmm. Could we start a podcast so I could just publicly ask you the questions yeah. that I think people want to ask you?
0: You really non- just nonchalantly just mentioned you might die in a situation, <laughs> and, uh, you know? No, it was a really serious mm-hmm. situation, I think, in our own
1: family, and our personal life. And it's, it's a little weird because the hospital you were at was just right up the street. And it's because I had cancer and was going to Huntington Memorial Hospital that I saw the Rialto. You could see, yeah. yeah. And came over here and it was actually through that event that brought us here. And so if you don't know that this amazing place where we experience community came out of that small period of time where I had cancer. And so God does beautiful things even in the midst of tragic moments. I'm so cool. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I'm glad you're healthy. Um, so we, we were gonna get into it today. We have topics. Ooh. Right, but we also have, and I, and I, I think I was, um, I, I was- What? Drowned out by the, the applause. We have Brooke Odom Figueroa, we who do. always Woo! joins us on Battle Ready. Yeah. And we also have the guy with the coolest name austin st john st john and the the new james bond so the mystery is now over and he's I also think with us
2: earlier pastor Irwin, you called us your side entourage of opinions yes. so that's that's what we are
0: yeah i me and brooke had a little powwow back there okay. i said you better not when we go out there be the person that everybody likes more because she does this thing where like Brooke's like just this she's just a brilliant thinker this like really strong opinionated person and the moment she gets on platform she's like the she's like the sweet version of Brooke and I said I, I used some different language but I said I want the other version to summarize
1: Brooke knows how to make you love her she does
2: you, that's the real me
0: that's yeah. the real
1: oh I, yeah no, the real you we know you do love her, but you also
0: fear her. You do. I'm a little afraid. All right, let's dive in. All right, but the cool thing is we've got a camera right here, so the, this little like section is in, the, is in the podcast.
1: Oh! Oh, my. That's kind of oh, cool. Can you
0: all lift your hands That's up? That's amazing. Yes, this is like Disneyland. Oh. You can buy photos after, <laughs> after
1: the ride is over. We haven't <laughs> even started now. I really like doing it with a live audience. It's, I don't know. I'm like shaking right now.
0: Okay. uh, So let's get into it, some some topics of the week. Yeah, we got to start with probably
1: the most important political issue of the week. We said we're gonna talk about politics though. Yeah, but you have to talk about Draymond Green. Oh. (laughs) But they don't like sports. Yeah, it's interesting how many people, we did a survey of what you like um, us to cover and sports came out at zero. Yeah, it did. (laughs) It did, and you but know you what? love sports. Yeah. We're not listening. That's right. But we're not doing this podcast for you. We're doing it for us. And if you want to listen in, that's great. And, uh, and, but it's more than sports. Because Draymond, if you don't know, Draymond Green you know, plays for the Warriors. And they have won four championships. And, yeah, it's amazing. They're a great team. Yeah, one person from San yeah, Francisco. Yeah. You can go back. You know, this is so L.A. The one person who cheered was what? a girl. No. Was it? Yeah. Was
0: it Ann? Yeah, no, it was I Ann see? for sure. See, I it was Ann for sure. Yeah. You live in LA now. So yeah, you abandoned it. No,
1: she's the only one here who likes sports. <laughs> she is. She is. She is. So Draymond Green plays for the Warriors and uh, in practice this week, two I mean, ago, he threw down. He punched a younger player named Jordan Poole. And and then looked like he went out him and started kicking kick like some him on the gossip. It is. It's just told to. We're not. All right. But but I feel no. Ashamed. It's it's important. Okay. It is. Okay. And that's bad.
0: No, <laughs> oh, that's really bad. It's bad, bad. Okay.
1: It's bad that but there's a bad batter. Ooh. What?
0: You got mad at me and Tessa fighting quietly in the front row.
1: Yeah, but at least she didn't go to blows. <laughs> and uh, she didn't punch you this time. Okay. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> And then what ended up happening was someone who was in the private space filmed it and then released it to TMZ. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, there's several things that come to my mind. First of all, can a team have the chemistry to win a championship if they have that kind of internal fighting? It's a really important question. Which yeah. is good for right? us,
0: because this may be Clippers' year. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, I, it I might think be. When it's- I saw
1: that, I thought, If Jupiter, Mars, and the Warriors go down, we might have a chance. (laughs) Um, But the moment I saw it, I thought to myself, unless Steve Kerr works magic, the the Clippers will be in the championship. Because you cannot (laughs) have... a lot of magic. Yeah, you cannot have a team that lacks mutual trust and respect. Yeah. Yeah. You can have conflict. And and in fact, we were listening to... And you can have a team that has no respect like the Clippers but you you can't have respect lost. (laughs) All right now. We have to be real about who we are. But what was interesting was that the Warriors are more angry about someone leaking the video than they are about the punch. Mm. And which one is a stronger indication of a bad culture? That Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole or that someone was so disloyal inside their organization that they released it probably for money.
2: On behalf of Jordan Poole, I'm going to go with the punch.
1: <laughs> I think the punch is worse. You think I the think, punch is worse?
0: I think the punch is worse. But I also think the video is bad.
2: OK, tell me this. I heard a rumor from my husband who actually loves basketball. Yes. That Steve Kerr, who's the coach of the Warriors. Yes. He played on the Bulls with Jordan.
0: Yes. And there's a my, rumor. Like, you got it. Michael like, Jordan. Not Jordan Poole, but Michael Jordan. Yeah, my, not Jordan yeah. Poole.
1: Yeah. yeah, OK. Michael Jordan. Another yeah. Jordan. Wow. This is a conspiracy theory. It's
2: a conspiracy. <laughs> and that Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr to practice once. And Steve Kerr said it that's made true. him respect him. And so maybe Steve Kerr is fine with the punch. Yeah, And that's why they're all mad about the video.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Jordan is the greatest player who ever played and averaged 30 points a game so he can punch anybody he wants. Dr- Draymond <laughs> at best scores three points
0: a game. <laughs> I feel so, like Draymond, So maybe that's, the, maybe that's the conversation when you think you're Michael Jordan, but you're not. Oh, that's so do you, sad. do you behave like a Michael?
1: I also think there's something more subtle. I think Draymond is at the end of his um, optimal talent. Hmm. And he's trying to compensate for the talent he once had uh, with a bullying that replaces leadership.
2: Is Jordan Poole really talented?
1: Yes. yes. And he's oh, very okay. young. Yes. Yeah. There you go. And, yeah. And, yeah. and they're both up. And I'm so glad you're so knowledgeable, Brooke, and, love, uh, about this. This is amazing. Sports. This that is but, great. But is I, I think it's interesting. I, ha, have, have you ever had a job where you actually have real conflict with your boss or other employees? And <laughs> <laughs> get Tess away from the camera now, please. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there, there's an interesting thing. If you're at a job where there's no conflict and no tension, you probably have no chemistry. Hmm. Because everyone else is only bringing their safe version of them.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: And early on when we started bringing Brooke into battle, ready, one of the things I loved about Brooke is that she used to have opposing positions from us. Used to.
2: Look, I was with you guys too long. You started getting me over to your side with your logic. and. Well, reason. not
1: my side. You and Aaron were opposites and now I
0: feel like I'm just looking in the mirror. <laughs> oh, <God>. and- <laughs> Where, where's Brian Hartley? Is he in here? And we loved Absolutely. having Brian. I saw Brian. Brian's in the back, he, he was our Austin before Austin.
1: And, and Brian would probably be more...
0: Pro- probably g- be. Ext- he's extremely liberal. My man is Biden's lost son.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what are you talking about? You don't see the reflection? Uh, now, now we're <laughs> really in the battle ready. This Brian is what Biden. happens in battle ready. What? Brian
1: Biden.
0: It, Brian Biden. There he sure. is, he's like, we, he working the camera.
1: And I I loved having Brian because he had such a conflicting position from Aaron. Yeah. And that, for me, is what I wanted. I I wanted Battle Ready to be a place where we had the conversations you wished were happening somewhere. Yeah. And where people could actually disagree dramatically and still be really good friends before and afterwards. And so I I think that the conflict was very... One, physical violence is never the answer to anything, and I think he was compensating for lacking the leadership authority that he once had when he was maybe one of the greatest players in the NBA for what he did. At the same, and and I don't know what happened there, but I also think the leak was an incredible violation of confidence. And to me, that's as much an indicator of a bad culture right now than the punch. Yeah, yeah. Because when you have great teams, you can actually fight without it going public. When you really have great community, uh, you go in the room, and you can just lay it out. And then when you walk out of the room, you're on the same team. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's really, really important. And, and I feel like that's what we've wanted to create here. And so how do you embrace, so would you say it's a conflict-oriented
0: orient, system? Or do you feel like that it's it's okay to have a, how would you describe their, their, that workplace then? So how do you create an environment where conflict is isn't doesn't take over but is like a part, uh, it's a part of the toolbox that you can actually dip into.
1: Yeah, I think it's hard to have healthy conflict if people are not peers. Mm. And so if you have one person who's um, simply superior in some aspect, whether it's intelligence or skill or talent or experience, and then they're having conflict with someone who's new and developing and growing, it's not conflict. It, it can be bullying okay. because it's not a fair fight. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think what's really important is to go, I can be tough as nails if the person in a sense is more powerful than me. And because I there's no way I can overpower that person. Mm. And and then if a person's more powerless than you, I think that's where you have to bring more grace and more deference to how you get your point across. Mm. So I try to personally almost never use <clears throat> a tone of authoritarianism. I tried never to use command. And people who work with me almost have never heard me command them do anything. It's so frustrating. (laughs) Like, tell me what you wanna do. And and a lot of it is because I recognize I have a level of inherent authority where if I give command, even if my command is wrong, or if it doesn't produce the best outcome, people aren't gonna tell me.
0: It is true, because then when you switch, it, like once in a blue moon when you do it it's like whoa who are you why'd you do that i'm i am offended
1: <laughs> and crushed yeah 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 and and so it's i think it's really important to know when well, you need to understand your own power humility is not lying to yourself about your power yeah. you, you okay. need to understand your power and then you need, you need to take responsibility for your power okay and i think that's part of it and by the way i think we were both listening to R- richard jefferson who was an nba player and now yes. an analyst and yeah, he yeah. was saying that Fights are common in the NBA. Yeah. Like this is this is just the common culture. And so you have to realize that you're putting 20 guys who are type A alpha dogs in a room and you're trying to teach them how to be in the same pack. And and frankly, the person who isn't that kind of personality could always be judgmental, going, How could they have a culture like that? And it's because you know, maybe you're a part of a type B culture where no one fights and no one is intense and no one has command and challenge, but no one actually achieves at the highest level either. And so I think you have to to realize that if you choose a life without conflict, you're actually choosing a life probably without greatness. And if you want to achieve a level of greatness, you have to have tension and conflict and you have to learn how to get over it. You have to learn how to forgive, and and to move toward mutual respect.
2: What does that look like? How do you get over it?
1: (laughs) It's different for different people. I I find that psychologically, some people have a hard time getting over. Why are you looking at me? Look at (laughs) that! Look at them! Right? I I think it's hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you take things personally, it's harder to get over it. Yeah. Yep. And if you if you don't take things personally, and just go, okay, we had a conflict. Um, But it it doesn't affect my esteem, it doesn't affect my value, it doesn't affect the way I am a person. It's really hard to be offended. It's almost impossible to offend me. And I can say that now that I'm 64, I've been living a long time, (laughs) I have a track record of life. Uh, People have done horrific things. In fact, I was mentioning the other day I got an email from someone who did something unkind 20 years ago to me. And I forgot it, but they never forgot. And 20 years later, they sent me an email apologizing. Yeah, And they'd carried that all these years. And,
0: and then you forgot to respond to
1: it. Oh, and I felt terrible. I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait 20 years to say I forgive I, you. I, no, you know?
0: on, we did a team night before conference yeah. on Wednesday. And you were like, oh, yeah, by the way, I hit that guy back. And I like, freed him from, you know, yeah. from, but, I was like, you. I was like, you have to yeah. give him something. Get him to respond.
1: Yeah, but I think I responded last night. Yeah. yeah because night, yeah. during the worship night, I felt like God just like spoke to me and said, hey, you need to release that person. Oh. So it's interesting. Worship can be strangely self-indulgent if you're just worshiping and you're getting the experience. Yeah. But if you're listening, it can become incredibly transformational.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh. And so, yeah. That's good. What, but you, you have this, we've talked about this a
0: lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You have this amazing ability to forget people. <laughs>
2: I thought you were gonna go with forgive, but you're like forget.
0: No, but you know how it's like, for, like forgive yeah. and forget. Yeah, I think you forgive, and you straight up just forget. <laughs> like whatever that thing Brad Pitt has, where he does remember people's faces. Yeah, you have that. But I think it's spiritual. <laughs> it's true. But you never felt like I don't think you would have ever thought I need to forgive him. No, prior to his email.
1: No, because when someone does something that hurts you. If you're mature, you realize that's really about them. It's not about you. And, but if you make it about you, you that creates bitterness and resentment. Mm. But if you make it about them, it actually gives you a sense of grace. And so I, I remembered the so situation completely once he reminded me, but I forgot about it. And then I felt terrible. I told him, I said, my only regret is that you waited so long to be free of it yourself. You, and I said, because I, 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 I forgave you that day. And, and if you just reached out, and that's why sometimes holding on to something you've done wrong is such a foolish thing to do. Because you're holding yourself captive to something someone else may have forgiven you right away.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and so I think, Brooke, some of it is. Um,
0: but I do think we're in an era now. Sorry, can I say something real quick? Yeah. I do feel like we're in an era now where most people feel the victim mentality. Yes. We're like I, I need to forgive that person or they need to ask for, an, you know, they need to yes. ask for forgiveness. Right. So how do you, as the person who was the, I guess, the, the, you, you let him be free. How do, you, how do you give freedom to people? How do you also ask for forgiveness? How do you not be the victim in those situations and really go? So I thought what he did, even though it was 20 years later, was it'll change the rest of his life. Yeah. Because there's something going on in his life that has nothing to do with you. And yeah. yet that was like the linchpin. And opened it all up. So what do you do? How do you not have the mentality? You done?
1: Yeah. No. No. Actually, I. I, I, You know. No. (laughs) I'm sorry. In in the email in my response to him, I um I I said this. Um. I do remember your response, and all I could think was, um, well, I'm not gonna say you'll know what happened. I'll move to the next one. I said clearly, you have become a better man. Is what I said. But we're already at this place. No, you I decided said, to open the email yeah, up. You might no, as well just tell, tell yeah. us. <laughs> I, I, I said. I said few have taken the time to ask. Few would have taken the time to ask for forgiveness. Mm. Few would see it as essential to make such a small thing, so far in the past, make it right. I mm. said you are an honorable man. I admire you. I will always be an All Blacks fan, and yours as well. And what. For me, I, 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 I believe in humans and in the good that God has inherently placed in every human being that we can all get better. Mm. I do believe people change. And in fact, I choose to make it my belief that you not changing is an exception, not the rule. Mm. And, and, and I want to celebrate that change. So even if you hurt me, or if you did something and he actually said in his original email I did this because I wanted to hurt you now imagine someone saying that to you but I can tell you over the last 40 years of life there have been a lot of people that I know did things not accidentally but specifically to hurt us
0: mm.
1: and you can spend your whole life as a victim yeah but I'm like wow I must have an extraordinary life for someone to be so envious and so angry that they want to hurt me mm. and and my, my best posture is to live my life as fully as I can. And what ends up doing is that either that person will be more and more envious, or they will finally realize, oh, I can have that life too if I make different choices in my life. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and I want to say this, and it's not popular. Um, your ability to forgive and your inability to let go of offense has everything to do with arrogance and humility. If you are a person who lives in humility, you will forgive quickly. And if you're a person who's arrogant, you'll be offended quickly. And (laughs) because when you're arrogant, it really upsets you when people don't treat you the way you should be treated. When you're humble, you go, yeah, that's what happens?
0: But what happens when you're both? <laughs> and you're complicated. <laughs> and you, you grew up really in a church. What?
1: <laughs> no, I think this is a really important conversation. No, I want life advice. Life advice?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, but what happens when you, when you feel the duplicity of both natures, right? When you mm-hmm. feel like there's moments where you have, you feel really confident in the moment and like, I need to be treated this way or I need something to work this way or I'm better than everybody else. And not, not necessarily the purity of thoughts of that, like, you know, the generalization, but like, in this moment, I know better than you. You know? Yes. We have those conversations a lot. I am that person. You're <laughs> really talking to them, but to me, <laughs> this is where we're at. But and then you also are able to figure out what you did wrong quickly. How hmm. do you break that pattern? Mm. Right, because it's like I don't know if Draymond's gonna stop punching people. <laughs> you know, if it can't be the first time he was too good at it, it can't. But oh it might gosh. be the last time he's worth it in yeah. the basketball Ooh. sense, not as a human, but in the, in just in his career-wise. Right. And so how do you not get to that point? It was a, it was a wide, it was a, a, a an eye-opening moment.
1: You know, it's like yeah. I don't want to be like that. Yeah, it's interesting because I was. Um, Working with, the behind the scenes, I work with different companies and businesses, and um, this uh, CEO was talking to me about one of his employees and and then um, about how dramatic they were, how much conflict they create, how much chaos they create. And I said, oh, how talented are they? Mm. He said, yeah, they're the most talented person I have. And I said, oh yeah, that's why you're giving a lot more leeway to the lack of character because they have an, extre- an extraordinary amount of talent. Yeah. So here's the harsh reality of life, whether you would like it or not. If you have more talent, you're going to get away with being a horrible person. And if you have less talent, you'd better be a really good person. Hey. You know? And, and then here's the interesting thing. In the long run... The person with less talent with more character will be more valuable to the organization than the person with more talent and no character. So you just have to be in there for the long haul because the person who's cashing in on their talent but not building their character, that person is using up all of their credits fast. And you're right, there's gonna be a point where Draymond's talent doesn't merit the crisis or the conflict he creates. And, and this is the challenge. They go, wait a minute, but I've always been like that. And they'll say, yeah, but you always had more talent. And then you'll feel like you'll be offended. I can't believe how they let me down. I can't believe how they let me go. I can't believe how they don't value you. And you go, no, no, they tolerated you because of the contribution you could make. And so my, my advice would be, um, when you're a high talent person, and, I'm, and you are, and I'm going to assume everyone here is, um, don't let your talent be. Your, your free pass. Decide, I'm going to have, I'm going to be both. I'm going to be the most talented person in the room and I'm going to have the greatest character in the room. And and prove that those things don't have to be in conflict.
2: How do you get tough without mm-hmm. caring less? Like, I don't have your talent of forgetting. And I, I realized that I developed this coping mechanism, like when I would get my feelings hurt trying to do something, that instead of, I guess growing in humility, my toughness like survival skill was like I'll just care less about the thing I'm working on. So that way mm-hmm. if they hurt it, I'm not affected by it. But that's obviously a terrible strategy. Like you don't need to tell me that's a terrible
1: strategy. So
2: how do you how do you, you
1: See get, how Brick protects herself? <laughs>
2: yeah. How I, do you get tough? I know
1: I'm terrible.
2: <laughs> I know it. How do you get tough without like and keep your heart Soft heart, tough skin. How do you do that? What?
0: Your pats? Uh, no, because <laughs> I'm all of these things.
2: Soft skin, tough heart.
0: But were you ever this way? Broken? <laughs> <laughs> were you ever broken like us? <laughs> no, because you know we like you know we get to be a part of the Jedi years, like the Yoda years. Were you ever you know almost Darth Vader? <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, not, not for, you Kylo can tell Wren. me later. What?
2: We're all Kylo Ren, just trying not to I
0: don't know who that is. Is that Adam Driver? Yeah. yeah. Man, it's great. Um, He's great. But no, but I, you know what? Yeah, how did no, you? No, just going back to her question. It's but then my
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fine, go to her question. I never had the luxury of being extraordinarily talented. So I, I, don't feel. I like don't that's really true. believe it either. No, I don't. I don't believe. It. I, no I,
0: one
2: agrees with you.
0: Yeah, no, no one does. So I'm sorry. Try again. <laughs> 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 Say, we'll cut the first one out. I'm trying to be so respectful, and it's really hard.
1: <laughs> right back to your question. And uh, um, it's interesting. I was at. Um, did I mention that I was at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill? Oh, my gosh. Here we go again. And then I got to speak to the football team and, yes, sir. and meet Mac Brown. I, I, I've mentioned all that, I'm sure, yeah. but uh, it never hurts to mention it again. And and so I was talking to one of the individuals who works with 900 athletes or so yeah. and helping yeah. them with post, post-athletic careers. And after I spoke to the team later, he said, hey, you don't even know how critical your message was, uh, because our college players are soft. And I was really surprised when he said that because you know, they look tough.
2: They're football players.
1: Right, they're football players, You're, you know, 300 pounds of, you know, speed and power. And, 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 he, and he went on to say they're, they're soft because they're the most they were the most talented kids in their schools. They were bigger, faster, stronger, and better than everyone all of their lives so they actually never had to develop resilience Mm. and now they're in a different space where everyone is the most talented biggest fastest strongest kid from their school and now suddenly they're average he said so they're actually soft because they never had to develop the resilience of a person who has less talent and so all right so i'll go back to your question about because i know you uh, thank you that you think I wasn't untalented, but it's all about perception. My mom sent me a photograph of me and my brother when we were little kids, and he was like twice the size of me. And I looked at that photograph and I'm going, we're not even like the same species, right? And, but we started first grade together. And he's about two years older than me. So we went from first to 12th grade together. And so from my perception, we were twins. Mm. I was just like the anemic twin <laughs> that never got fed in, 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 in the, the womb, you know, and, and he was the other brother who consumed everything and almost me. Yeah. And, and, and so I always compared myself to my brother who was stronger, bigger, faster, smarter in every way. Mm. And it, it never occurred to me that it was because I was so much younger than him. So my internal narratives, because it actually doesn't matter what reality is, it only matters what you believe about yourself. And and so maybe I was talented, but I didn't believe I was talented. Mm. See, maybe I was intelligent, but I didn't believe I was intelligent. I grew up believing all my life I was in this massive deficit. And by the way, other people told me that too. Mm. So everyone in my family circle basically reinforced the fact that I did not have talent, that I was not gifted, that I was not intelligent, and that I was really in a deficit. So I had an external environment that confirmed that I just didn't get the stuff. So I had to decide really early on what is in my control. Because I have no control over my genetic fate that I just wasn't smart enough, gifted enough, tall enough, strong enough, fast enough. I have no control over what is inherently given to me at birth. I only have control over the choices I make. So early on, I just decided to take control of what it could take control over. Mm. And, and at the same time, it gave me an incredible empathy for people who felt like they were nothing. Mm. And I, I felt what was happening to me. Somewhere along the way, I felt, "Wow, I'm getting stronger, smarter, more powerful." I, I, I felt it. I felt something was changing inside of me. And I didn't know completely where it was coming from, but the one thing I told myself is, I think there's going to be a day where people are going to listen to me. There's going to be a day where I'm going to actually be the leader. And on that day, I'm going to remember the person who was like me who felt they were nothing. Mm. And so early on in my life, I got the DNA of a person who felt they had nothing. Mm. And then by God's grace, I was given a life where it, people perceive I have so much. Mm. And, and so I've always seen it as a stewardship to help the person who doesn't know how much is in them. Mm. And that's what Mosaic is all about. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. All right. Let's change subjects. Let's keep moving. What do you want
0: to talk about? Me? Yeah. Ooh. What? Talk to us.
2: I I feel like.
0: Oh, feelings.
2: Both of you are like masters of conflict. Like (laughs) somehow. The yin
0: and the yang of it.
2: (laughs) Somehow you thrive in conflict. And it's like a superpower. Okay. And you're talking about resilience, you're talking about getting tough, talking about all these different things and growing. And you manage to do that in conflict and not avoid conflict, but to actively engage it. And then somehow, I guess like the twin in the womb, eat it and grow stronger. <laughs> and for any of us here who avoid conflict, don't like conflict, what do you, what can you say to us? How can you help us? It's not me. Maybe it's... Um, Jamar, for Jamar, what would you say for Jamar?
0: Hi, by the way. Thanks for coming in from Atlanta. Woo! Yeah, come on. Um, I have so many moments of conflict with Jamar. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. We were, were, has it been 15 years now? Yeah, Jamar was the one who was sneaking me into nightclubs when I was 18. Thank you, Jamar. You were, right, 19?
1: And don't then, worry, Jamar, you cannot take a man anywhere he didn't want, want to go.
0: Oh! No, 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 no. The, the first the first problem with that statement was okay, forget I conflict. was not a man.
2: Forget conflict. Let's talk about the I was the a boy. What? I said forget conflict. Let's talk about it.
0: No, the no, place. no. I think the reason the reason why Jamar is actually a great thing, because because uh, like a great topic. Not, I don't think we need to stay here long, but Jamar is one of those friends who refused to allow my pettiness and conflict. I think some conflict is really healthy. Some cl- conflict is really destructive, mm-hmm. and I think he was someone who helped navigate uh, those bad moments for me mm-hmm. when I was really unhealthy in my conflict. He was able to be super patient, and there were moments where he needed to be more conflict-oriented. He didn't. You don't like it, right? That's it. He, he said. Yeah, no, so that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a sweet, like, you're you're a kind person. by don't give him the mic, though. You know. We're going to cry. We, were, we cry a lot when we talk about it now because we went through a lot together. We lost friends together. We went through life together. We both grew up together. We, we had a lot of character change together. He got married, and, and, and I got to be at his wedding and watch someone who has just, like, developed and developed and developed, and we kind of came from a similar world. And I think conflict is – I don't know how I – don't, I don't really know because I, I like conflict. Like, if there's not a fight, I don't know if there's a point. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it but it, it definitely affects my purpose in life because i mm-hmm. don't know what to do when there's no war mm-hmm. i don't know what to do when there's no big problem to solve mm-hmm. i just get bored and do dumb things you're a general okay. you know yeah and we're foolish a bit of both you know and so i do think it's like how do you find i think jamar's one of those people like who keeps the light on when you're like okay where do i keep going now in the darkness of the 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 the
1: the, 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 the chill moments yeah. the peaceful moments yeah, That's you interesting know? you know um Something that's gonna come out soon that I've developed over the past few months is something called the seven frequencies of communication. Uh-huh. And it's, it's something that has never been seen anywhere in the world. It's, and yeah, I think it's the most significant thing I've ever designed in my life. Mm. But in it, it actually describes the frequency at which people naturally communicate. And um, Aaron would be what I would call a challenger. And challengers call people out and call people up. And they see everything as a necessary conflict. Like, it, it, the internal narrative would be, people don't change unless there's a fight. Mm. I don't change unless there's a fight. You don't change unless there's a fight. The world doesn't change unless there's a fight. Mm. And If you're not fighting, you're a coward.
0: And uh, I and, do think
1: that part sometimes. And that's bad. It's not good. I'm working on it. Yeah, no, no, but, no, but you see. If we can understand that people are designed by different frequencies and that their frequency is necessary, we'll be less judgmental over how people communicate differently. Mm. And then we'll realize oh, these are all of these are like it's human arsenal. Yeah. And you need a challenger sometimes. You need that person, you know, to do that. In fact, if I can share, like you said commander, right? Was it a no, commander? No, said, uh, challenger. challenger. Yeah, I'm
2: commander. He said now, Brooke, I said Pastor Irwin. What's my frequency? And he said, Brooke, you like telling people what to do. Yeah. (laughs) But do you notice how
0: she went to like the really sweet voice when she said it? Yeah. Yeah. So whack. I told Brooke, I said, you you have
1: one frequency. It's Commander. And uh, (laughs) like the world is ideal if they'll just do what you tell them.
2: Because then everyone's doing the right thing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And and because it's what you told them. (laughs) And so you have to realize people do operate different frequencies. But there are certain people who are structured where they need conflict to excel. Um, you think of certain careers, paramedics. Paramedics need the crisis to excel. Firemen. I mean, I know some firemen. They do nothing for a living. I mean, nothing. Dad. They get paid to do nothing until there's a fire. And then they get paid to do what almost no one is willing to do. Yeah. And so we go, yeah, pay them, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, it, and it's a certain kind of personality that loves crisis and actually elevates in crisis. And there, the, you have to realize that there's a different environment in which you probably operate at your highest level.
0: Okay, so for someone who has no conflict, how do you have a little bit of conflict and how do you do it the right way? If, they just, if they're like, I want a gateway drug, like a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> You I know, conflict. like, I'm, I want Coachella, but not Burning Man.
1: Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. And here's the thing. If you have no conflict, you're probably so unhappy, you can, bar- you can barely take it. Because when you have no conflict, you've conceded all of your thoughts, opinions, desires, dreams to someone else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I hear married people go, oh, we've never had a fight we And I'm like, someone is not in the relationship at 100%. Because if you've never had a fight, someone is just acquiescing and pretending they agree with you. A great marriage isn't about figuring out how not to fight. A great marriage is figuring out how to fight where you both grow together. And yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah.
0: But from, no, from someone who has no experience in that department, yeah. marriage
1: sounds interesting <laughs> but I will say one, something on the flip side um, it was interesting that there's been wait, 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 hold on hold on I want you to
0: answer the question that you didn't answer About did you do it on purpose
1: no no what? I, was, I was going there
0: oh you're going there yeah but your way I'm just going my
1: way okay and uh, through digression we only
0: have five minutes left okay so if you go your way or we do it my way and just get there now
2: Google Maps <laughs> 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 all right
1: but I want to I say this in, in uh, like s- some assessments of the most successful people in the world, what they found is if you're interested in having a higher level of success, even like financially, like becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, one of the interesting traits that is identified is that people who are highly successful move toward extreme calm in times of crisis. And so when everyone else is frantic and anxious and stressed and torn to pieces, during a crisis, the person who really elevates is the person who has a massive internal calm. And you can see that even among great quarterbacks in football. It's the quarterback who, when the game's on the line, he just gets calm. And then he not only is personally calm, he calms down the whole team. And one of the interesting things that probably 30 years ago was in this leadership program, and they did an assessment, and they walked me through something and said, you have something called tough poise. And I'd never heard that phrase. I said, what is that? And they said, um, you actually don't even look like a leader until there's a crisis. <laughs> and because you don't have any need to lead. But when, when you identify, oh, if someone doesn't lead, things are gonna go bad, then you just jump in and lead. And, and I think this is a part of it is that you have to learn how to become calm. The world is full of too many conflicts and too much crisis. So don't be the conduit of crisis. Don't be the conduit of conflict. It's gonna find you. So here's my question. Do you bring calm or do you bring conflict and crisis? Leadership is about learning how to bring the calm in the midst of the conflict and crisis. Does that answer the question? Nope. Yes. No. Okay, what's the question? Clap,
0: clap, clap. Give him some love, give him some love. All right. Give him it Can we give it up for my dad? amazing we got to wrap it up no but go ahead let's let's nail this no you you passed on that I asked the question you said no we'll do it later it's fine it's okay we'll do it for Patreon now it's okay Um, we have two minutes left is there anything we should hit don't Mm. bring up Kanye
2: I won't bring up Kanye
0: thank you because when, when he puts Latino Lives Matter on his shirt, then we can have a chat. <laughs> Until then, I'm outing out of this conversation because Angela's here, and I don't want to. We'll do that you, one with you.
2: Maybe you guys, maybe you don't want to answer, or you're yeah. saving it for later. But I would love to know if either of you are reclaiming anything specific this weekend. Mm. <laughs> and Go that's it. Thank you so much.
0: That's not a last two-minute question. It's all right. I want you to finish. I, I okay. didn't start. <laughs> <laughs> I he was didn't like, start. Aaron. There's nothing. What? Uh, why don't you start, Brooke? No, no. Come on. You can't escape. I, I would like to go back to politics now. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I I I haven't thought of it yet, to be honest. Okay. I think of uh, we were sitting with, with Pastor Kevin Liu, who's amazing, and we were talking. And he, uh, did you talk about revenge? You did. Yes. Because yes. I was uh, uh, trying not to throw up in the back when you were talking. I was hanging out with your son, actually. Your son is so smart. He was like destroying someone in Uno and like breaking down analytically everyone's mess, like uh, messages. Like when you talked about like waking up in the morning not knowing who you are, he goes, uh, it's so crazy that people wake up in the morning and don't know who they are. Triple reverse, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then I was like, wait, how did you do that? And he's six, five. It's so crazy. Uh, reclaiming, I think reclaiming. So Kevin talked a lot about like uh, this idea of like, you know, people are doing revenge traveling and revenge eating and revenge, whatever. but To they're get not, back at. What? To get back at what? To, to, to get back at the time that was lost. Yeah. During COVID. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> no one's doing revenge church. And I feel like that. I feel like I don't know where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I don't love it. And I think I feel that way about a lot of things right now. And there's kind of going through like this inventory list of the things that I care about. Mm. And I do care about my soul. And I do wonder if it has to be in community, mm. you know? And obviously that's a weird thing because we're in conference and I do believe in it. But at the same time, I don't believe in it. And I'm like, what happened that two years caused me to question so many things that I know are so foundational in my life?
2: Yeah,
0: They weren't as foundational as I thought they were. Mm-hmm. So now I have to like now go back to the inventory and go like, what was I building on?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and because I, I do truly believe that community is a healthy element to spi- spirituality, a necessary element to spirituality, my faith with God and Jesus. But I was building, I was pouring concrete, but it wasn't there. I don't know what was going on. And now I got to really do this like inventory list of going, okay, how do I fix the things in my soul so that if this happens again, and it will happen again, Mm -hmm. because there's going to be another COVID someday or something else someday that happens. You know, there's, there's always these things every five, 10 years. And if you're in a different part of the world more often, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and how do you make sure that you've, you're ready for the storm? That's how do you really make good. sure you're ready for the journey you know and don't abandon the things that you know are so dear to your heart mm-hmm. um because i think we i think more than anything you know we talk a lot about the the next generation always being i asked you the other day i was like is the next generation soft and you're like yes but every generation is soft to some degree yeah yeah right you just have to get tougher yeah and yeah. And, and i would like to say that my generation is extra soft <laughs> you know but i think a lot of it is uh is is we're also very privileged you know, and very blessed as well. And mm. so I think, how do you uh, how do you have strong character in moments of peace? How do you have strong character when there's no conflict to last through the moments where there are where there is conflict and there and there's really brokenness? So I think for me, the reclaiming is reclaiming like an identity in in Jesus, really, mm. and not just like oh, like yeah, I know, like I know I'm gonna go to heaven. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I haven't really talked to anybody who's been there and come back. So like, I don't know about that. <laughs> like that's a different podcast that trips me out, you know, but, but I, I, I am like continually reclaiming the thing that I know to be true, but is it living truth inside of me? Mm. That's yeah, really that's really good. So it's I'm
1: unnerving, gonna, it but is. it's, it's really, it's real and it's where people are at. It is. And, you know, Brooke, I'm, two things about what I'm reclaiming. One is, um, I look around this room, and I started Mosaic because I wanted to claim a space for people who didn't fit. And the, the church likes round edges, doesn't like sharp edges. The, the church likes people who are good people, nice people, compliant people, safe. cooperative people, safe people. Uh, the church doesn't like people that are edgy, questioning, different, and, you know, I'm married to a very different person. She's very unique. She has, she just, I don't even know, I've never met the drummer that hits the drums that which she travels. You know when they say people march to the beat of a different drummer. I've never met that drummer I'm like Kim is just out there in a whole different way And she's gonna want to touch the world in ways that I can't even predict I want a church that has room for someone like her Then I have we we have, you know, Aaron and Mariah and they're so different and in the so the same in so many ways Mm -hmm. But you know, I I look at Mariah and I go She's a person has deep faith. It's almost like unshakable at times um, but she also is really eccentric, and I wanted a church for, for a person like her, where she could fit and belong. And there's always that tension of even when she was writing. I mean, I remember the first song that she ever had recorded said, give me a match and I'll burn it all down. It's so dark. it's just not a great Christian song. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I but I I wanted Mariah to have permission to create from the edge that she sees the world from. And, and, but, but uh, frankly, Christians aren't comfortable with that. And Aaron is just a very unique anomaly. <laughs> he is, he's just like, he thinks, I mean, I remember when he was like five years old going, dad, I don't think I'd be a Christian if it wasn't for you and mom. And I go, why? And he goes, well, I have so many doubts and questions. And I, I had this thought, life is gonna be really hard for you. Because like if at five, you're still trying to figure out whether like there's room for you in faith, and I said, oh, doubts and questions. Well, I have those too. And, and it, it's so easy for the church to go, oh, they don't fit. It's easy to say Angela Davis doesn't fit. It's easy to, I mean, I look around, I see Sasha, and I go, like, I don't know how Sasha fits in the church, right, except he just fits here. He looks like Mosaic. Yeah. Like, I, I look around, and I just go, if I mean, he's what Mosaic looks like. We're, we're buff. We're, we're like the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I just love the fact that Carlos can dye his hair a different color every day. <laughs> and he's normal here. See, and, and so what I'm reclaiming is I want to reclaim the edges. Because, yeah. And, because I want you to always have a place, even when you. Don't know what you believe, even when you're struggling with belief, even when you're going in and out of all the questions. It shouldn't be a place where if you line up with all the beliefs, then you belong. Yeah. You know, I I think you have to be allowed to journey and explore and wander and sometimes be lost. You know, I mean, I remember when I first met Tess with purple hair, blue hair, purple. I looked at her and said, "She's a Smurf," like you know. And, uh, and I remember Mariah calling me and saying, I just met a girl named Tess, Dad. You need her on your team. Aww. And, you know, and I was just talking to her the other day because, you know, she's about to have her second baby and trying to out her future. And I said, Tess, when I met you, you were a creative beast. And now you're a great manager, organizer, and producer. And I need you the way you are, but I loved you the way you were. And I, I don't want this to be a place that kills the spirit. Yeah. I want it to be a place that unlocks the wild energy inside of you, and that's what yeah. I want to reclaim. And then I want to just end with a study that uh, came from a TED talk. Yeah, because it, they were studying what factors helps a person live longest, like to 195. And you want to know, you know, and because people seem to want to live a long time. <laughs> And they gave the list. I'm going to go from the bottom. Clean air doesn't help you live longer. You is, just die. Just not oh, well, 10 we're years lucky on. then. What? Yeah, yeah, LA, we just lost. Yeah, I know. Hypertension, medication, very low. Having lean versus being overweight. Being lean versus overweight, Okay. not dramatic. Exercise, strangely enough, not that dramatic. Cardio, cardiac rehab. Now, flu vaccines, nah. I'm not getting uh, that
0: either today, no. Other vaccines,
1: not that helpful, they didn't make it. Stop drinking, minimal. Stop (laughs) smoking, barely minimal. All these things we're told will save our lives. We might as well have just done them. We're back in the club. uh, (laughs) Go back to the club. That's not
0: what he's saying. That's not, (laughs) don't do that. That's not the point, okay? Don't. That's not the point. Here
1: are the two things that will cause you to live longest. Here, without even any competition, the second highest that will predict whether you will live a long time is if you have close relationships. Mm. If you have two or three or four people in your life who are your friends, you will live a long time, and you'll want to live a long time. That's number two. The number one indicator that you will live an immensely, disproportionately long life is something called social integration, even above close relationships. Social integration is about how you integrate to the society around you, where you're you're talking to the person at the coffee shop and you know their name. You're eating in a restaurant, you get to know the, the, the owner and the waiters, and you're in stores and you get to know the people there. How much you have ongoing, communal conversations and connections and contacts with people, mm. well, is the number one disproportionate indicator of whether you will live a long time. By the way, by this measure, Kim is gonna to live to 150 <laughs> My mom knows no, everybody. Kim, I mean, Kim sits in the front yard and yells at strangers <laughs> and they, and they <laughs> respond and come talk to her. My I- mom has
0: spies, like the mailman tells her stuff.
1: He's <laughs> like, did you, she's,
0: did you know what happened two blocks away? She's like, no, tell me.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. During the pandemic, but Kim put chairs outside, and the whole neighborhood started putting chairs outside having conversations. Kim is the master of social integration. And we um, need to reclaim the church not just because it's, quote, biblical. We need to reclaim church because people don't know how to have relationships. Mm. And look, atheists may be brilliant people, but they're terrible at creating community. (laughs) And what other organization, what other community actually creates a place where people connect? Mm. It's the church, and that's pretty much it. Because with every other religion, their spaces are exclusively for people who believe in their belief system. At Mosaic, we are here for everyone, even if they don't believe. We are going to be the singular reason why people live past 70. Because we give people social integration and personal relationships. And that's what I'm gonna regain. It's not supplemental. It is essential for life and health.
0: Woo! very good.
1: Okay i think that's it we good yeah we're good and by the way we and i'm gonna say this we actually do always a longer episode now for people who are part of our patreon membership yes yes and that's where we go
0: even grittier yeah that's where we leave the fights in yeah yeah there's we me and eric roy who's one of my really good dear friends who i was thinking about you were talking about all the fringe people and i was like you know it's amazing though because we also got people who work for box we have tech people, we have different people. like I think the, 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 the world of fringe has changed so much,, yeah. you know, because I think when we came it was so different, and now it's, it's just evolved and evolved to like the, the freedom, the people who think freely. But you know, we have this this I don't remember I was going to go. I don't remember. <laughs> I lost it. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I, having the minimalists in here just scares me. <laughs> OK. what?
2: I'll, I'll tell you where we should go. We, should where go should to, we go We should go to lunch.
0: No, no. No. No, What was I going to say about you? It was nice. I love you. But I can't remember what it was. Oh, oh we talk about all the, all the reasons why you can't become the president. That list. Like all the dumb things you do in life. Like we have this inside joke and we're like, yeah, I did another dumb thing. Like there's no way I could be the president of the United States. <laughs> well, now you can. But that's our Patreon. That's what our Patreon is. Let's go. Our Patreon is all the reasons why I can't be the president of the United States.
1: Yeah, and for the other, other yeah, With our last two presidents, I think anybody can be president.
2: Yay! Okay. Come up here now. Yeah.
1: Let's get out of here. Hey, guys. It's been Wait. so great to have you. I hope you've enjoyed Thank this you. episode of Battle Ready.
0: So fun. I love you love so you. much. And I love you too. Okay. Hey, guys. This is Aaron. And you have just listened to Battle Ready Podcast live from Mosaic Conference. It's our, It was our first live podcast that we had done in so long. And I was so nervous. I hope you... I hope you stuck with it and got through it. Um, but I want to invite you to a couple of things. One, if you haven't checked out the seven frequencies of communication, I want you to go to the art and check it out. Now. It's our new uh, communication course. It's our second module. And we're actually doing something kind of cool. We're bundle packing the art of communication and the seven frequencies into one pack. And you get it for like, I think it's like up to 40% off if you do it this weekend. So it's pretty cool. Um, we don't do too many of these we do them like once or twice a year. So with this we offer four hours of content. If you just get seven frequencies, I think all together it's like almost 15 to 20 hours of content. We're doing four q&a live sessions uh, for the next four weeks, which is really exciting. And I'm really just pumped to see this thing get launched and get the content out there, which I think will be really fun. So check that out. Also, if you're a fan of Battle Ready. Which I hope you are. We're really grateful for you. For the family who's been a part of this thing for the last like four to five years, uh, who's stuck in it through all of the politics, through all of the COVID stuff, um, through the wild ride that the last two or three years have been, we are so grateful for you. And, you know, one of our most common questions that we get is how can we support the podcast? So we created a Patreon. Patreon basically is like a subscription membership thing. You can give five, 10, 15, 20, $40. You can give, a thousand dollars if you want but it just gives um kind of our audience and our fan base an opportunity to be a a part of the podcast and we've never really i think considered it a fan base and we've always kind of considered it a tribe and an audience that we really connect with and want to be connected with and 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 want to always kind of be breaking down those barriers so feel no obligation to jump on the patreon and subscribe um, but if you're interested and you're curious, you want to be go deeper in the pod, check it out. We're going to try to do some more fun things, but essentially it's our way of kind of staying connected and kind of keeping our ear to the ground with you guys. So I will see you next week for the next episode of Battle Ready Podcast.